Welcome to Working Gratitude, real people, real gratitude at work, with your host, Darren Hollingsworth, Chief Gratitude and Accountability Officer at Odonata Coaching and Consulting. The Working Gratitude podcast was launched in 2012 to stimulate dialogue and conversation about research-based best practices of gratitude in the workplace and ways that gratefulness is expressed via philanthropy. These brief interviews with successful leaders from a variety of professional environments will encourage and inspire you and give you ideas about how you can start working gratitude. Thank you for listening to Working Gratitude. Now here's your host, Darren Hollingsworth. Hello, and thank you for joining us today. Before I introduce my guests today, I want to thank our listeners. We have a growing community of people who are working gratitude, and I hope that you will continue to listen, like us, subscribe, and share. We welcome your feedback on social media, all of the platforms, Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and LinkedIn. Do you have ideas about people who would be great to be included in this conversation? Join us and let me know by sending me an email or commenting in social media. Now then, my guests today are Ed and Deb Shapiro, and this is a pleasure because they are returning guests from the original publishing of Working Gratitude. They are best-selling authors who are authors of 20 books on mindfulness, meditation, and the body-mind relationship, including The Art of Mindful Rec. Relaxation, Your Body Speaks Your Mind, and their latest, The Unexpected Power of Mindfulness and Meditation. Those can, you can learn more about them at their website, edanddebshapiro.com. They have been featured bloggers for HuffPost.com and Oprah.com. They have taught meditation and personal development for over 30 years. Ed and Deb joined me several years ago, as I mentioned, after I was significantly inspired by their book, Be the Change, How Meditation Can Transform You and the World. They shared how gratitude is a consistent mindset and part of their work, and it is a pleasure to visit with them again. So welcome back, Ed and Deb. Thank you. Welcome, welcome. Nice. I would love to know those people. (laughs) Ed, you're such a a kidder. I love it. (laughs) Um, Before we do get started uh, to readdress our working gratitude conversation, give our listeners an update on what's most exciting for the two of you right now in your your work and uh, what we need to know about you right now. I was just thinking as you were saying that, that at the moment, I mean, apart from the fact that our book's just come out and apart from the fact that we're always in love with that and everything to do with that, I am also wanting to just say a little word about how inspired I am at the moment by young people. And as an older person, the state of the world has been disturbing me for quite some time. And now I'm looking at all these extraordinary young people coming along with brilliant ideas, brilliant ways of dealing with the the, the environment and um, understanding politics. And it's like, oh, we can leave the world in their hands very easily. We're going to be okay. Um, I, I am just in awe of them. And I'm very pleased that I can say that about a whole new generation that I've had nothing to do with, and I'm just watching them come, and it's, wow, how fabulous. Well, I've had some fun because I have taught children. I've taught children in India, and what fascinates me is that man is evolving. Like you say, gratitude. Gratitude is something that everyone should have. 
It should be the foundation of our lives. And people have to be more grateful to themselves and to each other. The work you do is brilliant. It's so important to well, thank uh, allow you. people to understand how being grateful and everything doesn't mean that you're necessarily a wimp. Or you know, all. You know what I mean? It's like, oh, you're grateful. See, you've got to be tough and angry. And, you know, people just have all sorts of feelings because the world right now is in chaos. Mm-hmm. But that's why I was saying what I was, because it's like I'm, I feel so grateful for those children coming along, for those young people who are succeeding brilliantly. And it's like, yes, thank you. Yes. Thank you. That's a wonderful point of gratitude. And, and, and it's so funny because one of my friends, um, their child, 10 years old, and it's like when I talk to him, he's smarter than me. And it's such a nice feeling. When they're smart than us. I mean, who wants to be the smartest? Especially with kids, they just, it's growing, it's in us. And like yoga, which I teach, that teaches mindfulness. That teaches that inside you, you have the ability to be caring, grateful. You know, the Dalai Lama even says his religion is kindness. Right. So with that kindness comes gratitude. There is, a, I think, a proliferation of several movements and projects. I would say I'm part of a gratitude community. There is a joyful life project that I'm aware of. There's a kindness project that is a Netflix series, Kindness Diaries, I believe, with uh, Leon Logothetis. And there is a movement afoot, I think, to find the centering uh, emotions that can give and inspire and continue that hope that you're talking about, Deb. And I really do want to thank the two of you for the body of work that you have put out. As I said in my introduction of you, the your book, Be, Be the Change, that's long been a quote that I've uh, held to as an inspiration for myself. But particularly, your book had a chapter about uh, mindfulness in the boardroom. And That is one of the reasons I got to know you then, and I've continued to see your work uh, bridge the personal community and the professional community. And so that's why I like this conversation, and we'll dive back into that with, tell me a little bit more with everything that's going on for the two of you teaching. Well, I just want to go into what you just said, because it's very funny, but this is one of my favorite stories. We were living in, in England, Deb's British, you can tell. And suddenly I get a phone call that says, hello, do you teach meditation? And I said, yes. They said, well, our, our, our company uh, would like to uh, bring uh, you to, um, I thought it was a joke, <laughs> to Thailand to teach uh, all the CEOs of Europe in our company, which is like, you know, uh, AT&T, it was French Telecom Orange Cell Phone. And uh, I thought it was, someone was goofing on me, but I went along. She called me the next day and says, oh, uh, we decided we're going to have a Buddhist monk. And I didn't believe it was all real. And I just said back, why would you want a Buddhist monk to be in a boardroom? They, she says, a good point. And the next day she says, can you be in Thailand next Thursday? Wow. <laughs> so it was incredible. And, and, and we brought that information in. It was interesting because they usually have people learning tennis or golf or something. And the uh, executive vice president um, wanted them to try something like meditation. Beautiful. And they just loved her. 
Wonderful. And I also just wanted to say, apart from um, not wanting to change your story, uh, Darren, would the book be the change? It actually has sort of disappeared now, and it's reemerged completely as a new book for your listeners to know oh, as The Unexpected Power of Mindfulness and Meditation. Wonderful. So they wouldn't be able to get Be the Change, but they will get everything they need to know in the new book, Unexpected. And, and we'll, have you, we'll have to get you. Uh, and it includes that chapter on, on meditation at work. Yeah, but it also, it opens, it says, anyone interested in meditation should read this book, His Holiness the Dalai Lama. And this is the best quote you'll ever hear in your life. This is the Dalai Lama. Treat this book as you would a cookery book. You wouldn't just read recipes, you'd try them out. Like cookery, meditation only makes sense if you experience it. It's Holiness the Dalai Lama, Nobel Peace Prize winner. Isn't that funny? That is wonderful. I can't wait, you know, and I'm, <laughs> I'm thrilled that you've, you've updated the book because it has been a number of years now. So that, Twelve years. That is a great update, and I will definitely, as we promote your uh, podcast episode, it, I will look forward to sharing the more updated information with our listeners via all of our social media channels and so That's forth. So good. And, and you know what's so incredible? We, it was the 17th of April. It went out in South Africa, it went to New Zealand, Australia, um, Malaysia, um, India, or India, and you know all of East Europe and the whole world. It was so so it's so humbling. It's so much gratitude, so much <laughs> gratitude to feel you can say something that could help people. It's the greatest joy there is. The two, doing. the two of you just have that spirit, I think, too. You've been at this for such a very long time. And as I think about it, when I came to the work 10 or 15 years ago, both meditation and gratitude, you had already been at it for quite a long time. And I think that that is what, uh, Deb, you expressed earlier, that there is a awareness brewing in even a younger generation than me to find the tools. And I think gratitude, oh. I think gratitude is one of the tools in the toolkit. And I think certainly meditation and mindfulness. What do you think has changed the most in the conversation around gratitude and mindfulness in say the last five or 10 years? I think the biggest thing is that more people are talking about it. More people know what mindfulness is. It's become one of the most common words. There is misunderstanding. There is uncertainty about the difference between mindfulness and meditation or the, you know, what does mindfulness meditation itself mean. I mean, there's the different terms that keep getting, getting used, but there's a, an awareness of it, and that is brilliant. I mean, when I was a young person getting involved with meditation, there wasn't an awareness of it. People didn't know what it meant. Now they do. And yeah. to me, that's a huge yeah. difference. Yeah, but I think there's something more important, really. I discovered it recently. Mind, mindfulness is great, but I just discovered mindlessness. Mm. <laughs> I started, you have I started, to tell the maple syrup story. So I wound up going to this the... This is just as we finished the book on mindfulness. Uh -huh. I went to the refrigerator and I had some greens in my left hand, and I was hoping, holding maple syrup in my right hand. And as I was leaning forward and putting the greens in the fridge, I was pouring the maple syrup all over the 
dishwasher. No, all over the floor and the freezer. Yeah, and... The dishwasher was the hardest to get it out of. Yeah. And I realized, wow, mindlessness. Why it's important, believe it or not, is that usually, oh, look what I did. Isn't it horrible? It's terrible. It's, oh, look what I did. And then you say, oh, look at that. Wow. That's what mindlessness is. Got oh, it. you learn a lot of mindfulness through mindlessness. Yeah, that is you know, a great story a because there's no, there's no self-judgment there. One of the, the things that I uh, have had an aha moment in my own practice this week is that aspect of patience and self-compassion. <laughs> and <laughs> when, you, when you mess up and you're, you're, in my case, I was focused on my breath at the time and the monkey mind starts. And I, mm-hmm. it, it's really easy to get judgmental. But when I can find the self-compassion and the non-judgment to just say, okay, little monkey, you're there. Thank you. And move on. And again, there, it comes back to gratitude. A sincere heart, not a dismissive heart, a grateful heart. Those thoughts, some of the thoughts that were coming were useful to me. But some were not. And by getting back to being present, um, therein lied Lies, my point of gratitude. I love the maple syrup story. That is... Um, what is the, the beauty of mindlessness. It's just like watching. You're using mindfulness to watch your mindlessness. And so just as you were saying, there's no judgment. There's not like, oh, stupid me. Yeah, just, what you said is perfect. Yeah, you're just watching it. It's like, oh, so that's what mindlessness but is. But I was doing it after that. I started doing it. It was almost like, you know, God or the universe. It, it felt like, Everything I was doing was mindless. Mm. No matter what I did, I tripped, I tripped. Mm-hmm. You know, it was like, a, and I couldn't stop that. It was like, it was, it was too much. I'm a skier, I, I'm a bungee jumper, I'm a skydiver, and here I am tripping over curbs and stuff. And it was so interesting because what I was seeing as I was watching it was actions that you don't, that prevents you from seeing the action you're doing. So when you do something, why aren't you doing it right? Because you're actually not giving it full attention. That's exactly right. I, I so hear you. And when we can find that, and and that is why it is a practice. Am I right? That Oh, God, it is every minute almost. Yep, exactly. I mean, you just have to, I mean it's nice because it's a practice, but then it has to become innate. It has to become a part of you to the point where you know when you're, doing things, when you're seeing things, as we wake up more and more, our vision is our capacity for experiencing this life becomes really terrific. It doesn't mean good things will always happen, because truthfully, there's no such thing. I don't even know what it all means. Sometimes amazing things. You know, you speak to you on the phone, and we can reach people, and it just happens. So many good things happen. But God knows what it is, but at the same time, we're here with the mindfulness. You know what I always say? If you like me, wonderful. If you don't like me, wonderful. I mean, you can't, you can't fall into every trap there is out there. I've heard other teachers say, you know, other, others' opinion of me is none of my business. Uh, <laughs> and I love when you said that. I love when you said that because Deb and I had, had, had on a, sh- a radio show, Jane Fonda. Uh-huh. We think a lot of people would know. So, you know, you're on a show and you just, so out of nowhere, I just said, Jane, I can't handle when one person hates me. How do you deal with it? And I didn't know what. And she said, if you love yourself, it doesn't matter what people think. 
That's right. And, and it was so great because she's, she's in our book. Oh, wonderful. The Unexpected. <laughs> wonderful. I could talk to you guys for a very long time because I enjoy you and I know that your intentions and what you want to bring to the world uh, is so full-hearted. I do want to give you the opportunity to update our listeners uh, on the sense of gratitude that we talked about before, and it was it was some very special children. So would you update us on your perspective of that? Or? Well, yeah, I mean, this is, we're talking about the Cambodian Children's Fund. I mean, there are children, obviously, everywhere who need help. But for us, the Cambodian Children's Fund has just struck a chord that we are in awe of what's been done there and in tears at the beauty of these people who have come through from extreme poverty and just this year or maybe last year, they opened the first, their first university. And so children who were taken from garbage dumps and, and stuck in, in different places, you know, incredible poverty, have gone through orphanages, have gone through education and are now graduating and going to their first university and it's all a part of the children's, the Cambodian Children's Fund, which I think is a miracle in itself. It's just exquisite when you find out more about it. And Scott Neeson, who was living in L.A. and training with the, Sean Korn, a very well-known yoga teacher, and then he goes there and gives all his wealth and lives in a little place and created this, this incredible orphanage for people living in garbage dumps. I mean, it was amazing that he was able to do this. How he went wonderful. from his palatial mansion in L.A. to a wooden hut in Cambodia. You know, and what I love about this work that you do and the, the community that you've created around yourself and what I seek to be a part of and, and talk about with these gratefulness conversations is wherever you can make an impact, whether you do choose to need to follow a passion to leave your career, leave your life of, of abundance and make it look differently abundant for other people, whatever that is, each of us have a capacity to make impact. I want to thank the two of you so much for joining me again on Working Gratitude. And, and if our listeners want to hear that, what now seems like a long time ago, that conversation, it is in our archive to hear your previous interview. I've enjoyed updating with you today, and I really thank both of you for joining me on Working Gratitude. Thank, thank you. you very much. Email us your address where we could send a book from our publisher. Oh, that's so kind of you. Thank you so very much. And to our listeners, thank you for joining us today. For more episodes, subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts or visit workinggratitude.com. Please do listen each week, like us, subscribe, and share so that more people can find the contentment in working their gratitude. Please give us your feedback on social media or email us at info at workinggratitude.com. Thank you again for listening. Darren Hollingsworth has had a thriving career as a financial advisor, sales professional, senior fundraising professional, and nonprofit executive. Now, via business, success, and philanthropy coaching, Darren is passionate about helping successful executives realize and exceed their personal and professional potential. He helps business and nonprofit leaders find and confirm their passion, their inspiration, and motivation. This is accomplished through collaborative work based on gratitude, experience, encouragement, and accountability. As Darren says, surviving is not enough. Thriving is the goal.
Additionally, Darren works with businesses, nonprofit organizations, and boards of directors to create new possibilities for transformational customer and donor relationships, organizational strategic visioning and governance, as well as continuity and succession planning. Via collaboration and consulting, Darren engages with clients to empower them to build upon strengths and face challenges with confidence and expertise. To hear more Working Gratitude and for information about Darren Hollingsworth and Odonata Coaching and Consulting, visit our website, odonatacoaching.com, or visit us on Facebook at facebook.com slash odonatacoaching, or search wherever you listen to podcasts. Thank you for listening to Working Gratitude. Working Gratitude, copyright Darren Hollingsworth and Odonata Coaching and Consulting, all rights reserved.